Hey, welcome. This morning we're excited to continue a series of messages that we began last week. I promise, looking at the promises of God, last week I encouraged you and said that there's a difference between a promise and a principle. Promise is not conditional on what we have to do in order for God to do it. So he doesn't require something from us in order for him to do it. He just promises to do it. And he's good on that. Today, we're going to look at this promise that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Anybody grateful for that one? Anybody grateful that God will never leave you nor forsake you? That's a promise written in scripture multiple times. And today we're going to look at a passage that refers to that very passage itself. But there's been many times in my life personally where God has been with me and I'm very grateful that he was with me. And just knowing that has helped me walk through that time. That promise is more than us feeling it and thinking that he's there. It's recognizing that he is there. I can go back to many times in my life, go back recently when my dad passed away. I was in a meeting with pastors. We were actually interviewing Pastor Jordan whether or not to bring him and Shelby and their family with us to Grace Community. I was seated up in the loft of our church and, and I wasn't expecting my dad to die, nor did I think it would happen that quickly. And so I looked down at my phone and my phone wouldn't stop beeping and normally I don't go to my phone, but I, I looked down at my phone and it kept beeping and beeping and beeping and finally I looked at it and I saw these words from my older sister that said this, Dad is dead. In that moment, you have a choice to make. Do I trust in God? Do I believe that he's with me? Do I believe that he'll not forsake me? And so quietly at that meeting, I didn't want to disrupt that moment. I just gently excused myself and I went out and I called my sister and I asked the story that my dad had died in his house that morning. But the comforting thing is this, that while I was in Indiana, some 550 miles away from Maryland, that not only was God with me and not only didn't God forsake me and not only didn't God leave me, he didn't leave my siblings either. It's a promise that you can have in the middle of COVID-19. I want you to grab your Bibles and we're going to look at this promise in Scripture and turn to Hebrews chapter 13. And we're going to read verses 5 and 6. So turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. I'm going to ask you to stand on the hill with me as we read this out loud together. And we can see that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Let's read Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Would you read it with me? Ready, read. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? You have a seat. It is a personal promise from God himself that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. The author is finishing up this writing and, and we're not certain who the author is, but I believe it could be Paul. And he's giving these concluding notes at the end of this letter and he wants to remind the people of some very important things and it's as if he's saying this if you don't remember anything and you've heard me say that hundreds of times 
remember this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Can I get an amen for that? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Before we go on, let's look at who is saying this. God has said this. In fact, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, and you'll see what I mean. It's important to see who's saying this promise. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and let's look at verse 20 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. It says this in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are what? What's your Bible say? Yes, and who? In Christ. Look again. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, Christ, the amen is spoken by who? Who's it say? Us. Look at that again. It's beautiful language. It's a promise. Paul says this. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen and the word amen is so be it. And is spoken by us, Grace Community Church, to the glory of God. So every promise that God has given us, and we're going to be looking at them, every single one of them, they are yes in Christ, and the church can say what? Amen. So on the hill today, you can say amen, so be it in Christ. Because when Jesus signs his name, it's a done deal. It's a permanent deal. His glory is on the line when he signs his name. I love this passage in the Greek in Hebrews chapter 13. It's an intensive form. And an intensive form means it's a personal promise. It places emphasis on its antecedent by referring back to another noun or pronoun used earlier in the sentence. So just look a second, just a little grammar lesson here that's really, 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 I think, important for us to see in Hebrews chapter 13. Look what it says again in Hebrews 13. Paul says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said. And so then it's an intensive form. Never will I, referring back to someone who has said something, leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said, I will do this for you. And how often? Forever. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's an incredible promise to us today. God's promises are yes and amen, we can say, because his glory is on the line. You and I can rest in the fact that Jesus is faithful to him and to us. Let's go back and see where this first occurred in the Old Testament. Keep your finger here and turn back to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, we find Moses. He's at the end of his life. He's ready to literally pass on. He's ready to pass the mantle on to Joshua. And in Deuteronomy chapter 31, it says this. Verse 1, then Moses went out and spoke these words to all of Israel. I am now 120 years old. I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you. And you will, you will, it says, take possession of their land. 
Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og, the king of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. And then it says in verse 5, the Lord will deliver them to you. And you must do to them all the things I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a promise that he gave. Don't be afraid of them. Be afraid of who? It was a list of bad guys, the Hivites. It would have been the Gergesites, the Jebusites, the mosquito bites, all the bites, they were there. He said, don't be afraid of them. In fact, the math, as they looked at it, they were overwhelmed and outnumbered. And God says, I will be with you. I will deliver you. I will never forsake you. And so they were promised this. But when God is on your side, no one can stand against you. Then it says this in Joshua 1. So Joshua, Moses dies and turn to Joshua chapter 1. Just a few weeks later in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua now finds himself at the Jordan River ready to cross. And look what it says in verse 1 of chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give you. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon, from the great river to the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their ancestors to give you. Joshua believes it. He heard it from Moses. He's facing it. And now God's reaffirming it. He is telling Joshua, look back and remember what God did for Moses. I will do for you because Joshua was with Moses. There's a saying in Christian circles and maybe if you were like me, I grew up in church. We would often say the same. God is good. And the, you would say what? Okay. Say it like you believe it. God is good. All the time. I don't know if you know where that, that mantra came from. It came from Nigeria. A group of Nigerians were finding themselves being attacked and ransacked and overrun. And so in the midst of a worship service, this group of Nigerian believers began to say this. The pastor stood up and said, God is good all the time. But there's a phrase that's left out. In fact, at the end of this, when we would say God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. There would the Nigerian stood up and said this. I am a witness. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And I am a what? And so are you. And so am I. And so God has reminded us, look back and remember, 
like Moses told Joshua, I was there and I will be here for you. I was reminded of that this week, that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Ann and I were coming home Thursday night. We were on our motorcycle. It was dark out. It was in the evening about 930. And we were headed south on State Road 15. And as I was riding along, I believe the Holy Spirit impressed upon my heart, Jim, watch out for deer. And so immediately I became alert and prepared and ready. And I had thought that thought, I kid you not, one or two seconds later, this raccoon ran completely across both lanes of 15, the fastest I ever seen a raccoon run in my life. It came running and I had no time other than it was on top of me and grabbed a hold of me and I gripped down on the, 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 the handlebars of my Harley Davidson and that raccoon ran right in front we ran over it. It started to shake a little bit. We ran over the back. And by God's grace, we kept booking down the highway. God will never leave us nor forsake us. There's a passage in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 16. You can look later. And many of you who are familiar with the Old Testament, it's called Jacob's Ladder. It's a dream that Jacob has with God. He's coming up and down this ladder. And in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 16, it says this. God is with you even when you don't feel like he is. Look at Genesis 28 and verse 16. I want to show you in Jacob's ladder this phrase that jumps out of scripture. It's a reminder to us that this promise is more than a feeling. In Genesis 28 and verse 16, it says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not, what's it say? Aware of it. While you slept last night. And while I slept last night. God was working out your day in advance for you. And before we move on from this, I want to remind you of this. God loves you and will never leave you nor forsake you. You will never walk alone in this lifetime. Is that good news? Never walk alone in this lifetime. I remember my stepfather trying to teach me that truth as a 13-year-old boy deer hunting. And it was one of my first times to sit alone. When I hunted in Maryland, we would drive for an hour to the mountains. And we would go into the mountains, real mountains, and they were places where you had to walk for an hour after you got out of your vehicle. So in the early morning, about 4 a.m., we worked our way back through the darkness of the night. My stepfather knew where he was going. I trusted him. And we found ourselves at 5.30 in the morning, an hour before daylight, ready to deer hunt. And I'll never forget what my stepfather said to me, teaching me a lesson. He said, Jimmy, this morning, I want you to sit alone. I want you to sit behind this tree and I want you to hunt from this tree. And I promise you this, that even though you don't see me, I will be back to get you. Now, I don't know if you've ever sat in the mountains at 530 in the morning by yourself as a 13 year old after walking an hour in the darkness, not even knowing where you're at. And so he left. And so I had to either trust him or get up and follow him. 
And so I sat there knowing that I could trust my stepfather that he would come back for me. I remember as the night began to get dark and dust became, began to settle in the sky, a thought occurred to me. Is he still here? Am I going to be stuck on this mountaintop all by myself? But then I remembered these words of my stepfather who had proven to me many, many times before that he is good on his word. I heard this rustling through the leaves and I saw this flashlight at dark and it was my stepfather and he walked over and it was so good to see his face. But I'll never forget what he told me. He said, Jimmy, I sat 100 yards away from you and I could see you the whole time, but you couldn't see me. I wanted to see if you would trust me. As I think about that story, even though we wonder and even though darkness hits our doorstep and we're in the middle of chaos and even though it feels like he's not there, God is seated and he is within a hand grasp and eyesight of you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen to that? That's good news to us today. In Christ, you can, you can be fully satisfied with exactly what you have become in Christ. You have all that you need. When you feel abandoned, and there will be times you will, it's just a feeling. Jesus faced the full measure of our aloneness on the cross. And in our place, put it away forever on the cross. The essence of the cross is substitution. Think about this for a second. God, the father, turned his face away from his son so that Jesus would never have to turn his face away from us. Isn't that good news for us today? He had to experience being forsaken. Didn't he say that? Jesus on the cross. What did he say? My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Jesus had to experience that so that we would never have to experience that from him. We will never be forsaken. We will never be left alone. If Jesus didn't abandon us on the cross when he faced the punishment of our sin, then what would separate him from us now? The second thing about this promise, it's an emphatic promise. I will never leave you or forsake you. The typical word for leave, as you and I most understand, is often meaning this. I won't leave you. I won't walk away from you. But this is a different Greek word used here. It's different than just walking away. This word, I will never leave you, is a different word. In fact, the typical word is walking away. But in this passage, it literally means to uphold or sustain. So Jesus is saying, there will never be a time that I won't uphold you. There will never be a time that I won't sustain you. In fact, he uses two double negatives in the Greek. Rarely in scripture do you see it. So we would interpret this verse as this. Here's how you could literally translate it. And this is how the author tries to bring it out even in English. I will not. I will not cease to uphold or sustain you. 
Friends, that's great news for us today. That double negatives, I will not, I will not. For emphasis, it's an emphatic promise. God always finishes what he starts. He is a start to finish God. Aren't you glad? And if you feel like you're going to collapse under the pressures of COVID-19, leading your children to school decisions, feeling unemployed and wondering if the virus is hovering over your head, know this, that God will not, will not keep from holding you up and sustaining you when you are weary. That's a great promise to us today. He will keep holding you. Practically, what does that mean for us today? Here's what it means. Don't worry about tomorrow because God is already there. <laughs> That's good news, by the way. There is no place that we can go today, tomorrow, or the rest of our lives that God hasn't already gone there, paved the way, and is waiting at the finish line for us. He is at the finish line of COVID-19. Know what he's doing? He's cheering you on and saying, don't listen to man. Don't cling to that. Just hold on to Jesus. Don't be obsessed with numbers and facts that they're bringing your way. Know that Jesus is all that you need. Cling to him. There's a scene. I'm a Rocky fan. There's a scene in Rocky five where Rocky Balboa is fighting Tommy, the next up and coming boxer. It's a street fight. They're out on the street in typical Rocky fashion. They're duking it out and they're punching each other. Rocky goes down, the music fades, and everything goes into slow motion and he hits the ground and Tommy walks away in victory. And then the movie opens up with all these memories in Rocky's head of him fighting Apollo Creed, fighting the Russian, and all the times that he got back up. And then in this movie, in this dream that he's having after he's knocked out, Mick comes in his dream and he says this, Rock, get up. Rock, get up. And he cussed too, get up, Rock. And it's a beautiful moment. Rocky, days, knocked out, beautiful movie scene. He gets up, Tommy's walking away in victory. All of his guys holler and he says, hey, Tommy, where are you going? And the next scene is he grabs a hold of him and gives him this typical southpaw hook and he takes him down. It's the same for you and me today. God is saying, listen, I'm standing at the finish line of COVID-19. Get back up. You can make it. In the power and authority of Jesus Christ. Get up, church. Get up. Don't hide. Get up, church. Don't isolate. Get up, church, and thrive in the name of Jesus Christ. Because he will never leave you nor forsake you. What else does this mean practically? You and I cannot outlive God's grace and mercy. No matter how much you've messed up. No matter how miserably you have failed, his grace picks you back up. Why? Because the promise in God was signed by Jesus Christ's name. It's yes in Christ and it's amen from us because 
God is good. He will never let you all alone. He will pick you back up in the utter armpit of sin and send you on your way. What else does it mean practically? God has you on his heart and in his hand today. Let's think practically about that. If Jesus had social media, it'd probably look a lot different than what most of you are posting. If Jesus had social media, he would have put a picture up of you this morning and said, hashtag, this is my family. Like, that's good news for us. God, the father loves his kids so much that you were on his minds and the hands that hold the world together, Colossians says, hold you and uphold you and sustain you and he will never stop sustaining and holding you. That is good news for us today. The word forsake in the Greek here is made up of three words. It's an interesting translation. It means to leave. It means down and it means end. Let me explain it to you. Leave suggests forsaking an individual. Down suggests rejection, defeat, or helplessness. And the word in has to do with circumstances. Its vast and entire meaning is this. Is abandoned, to desert, to leave in dire straits, to leave helpless or destitute. The Greek is incredible right here in this passage. There are five negatives in this passage alone in these two verses and in this word forsake there is a triple negative and so this is how we could translate this word forsake literally it would read I will not I will not I will not forsake you that's good news for us today he gives us double assurance that he will uphold us and sustain us and he gives us triple assurance that he will not abandon us, leave us in dire straits, or leave us helpless. That's a promise worth celebrating in the middle of COVID-19. God will not, will not ever stop holding you up. And he will not, will not, will not forsake us. Amen to that? It's an incredible promise that we have. So when you feel abandoned, by the way, that's a feeling. It's, it's a lying, deceptive scheme of the enemy. And when it comes upon you, stop and preach the gospel to yourselves. And re-believe the truths of this promise. You must re-believe in his finished work on the cross. That you couldn't be closer to Jesus than you are right now. There's a beautiful passage in Isaiah 49, 15. You can look at it later. But it's this picture of how God loves us. He says, as a mother holds her child close to herself, God holds us close. I've loved through the years and watching our children grow. And even to this day, the early days when our children were infants and, and small, to watch what Ann could do for Josh, Hannah and Isaiah as she held them. I love watching moms at Grace Community Church when you hold your children you can do something for your child, be quite frank, that it's very difficult for a father to do. And I'm sure it's because you carried that child. 
But I have these pictures in my mind as I think back where Ann is on the couch, tired from being up most of the night or caring for the children. And there are these pictures in my mind where Josh or Hannah or Isaiah are just laying on the top of her asleep. And she has her arms wrapped around and she is asleep too. And Isaiah 49, 15 said, that's how God holds us. It's a beautiful picture, tender, compassionate love. God has brought us too far to leave us now. You see, when you and I look back and all the times and wondered if you could go on, guess what? You are here today, aren't you? Praise God. I am a witness. God is good all the time. I am a what? Witness. Thirdly and lastly, it's an everlasting promise. And so look what the author says in verse 6. He said, so we say with what? What's your Bible say? Confidence. Hebrews 13, 6. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? We have history to demonstrate God's never-ending love. The Lord who loved you wouldn't let death or hell or a cross keep him from rescuing you. So we can say with confidence that he will do what, whatever it takes to help us again. Think about it this way. Since God has done the greatest death on the cross, will he not do the lesser thing for you now? I mean, he's already proven he would die for sin-laced people. The Lord is my helper can be defined this way. Here's the, here's the definition. It's an insurance that man can't ruin me forever. That's great assurance. What's the word confidently mean? He says, we can confidently say this. It's having a strong belief or full assurance. It's to be sure. It's excessively bold and even presumptuous. I will not be afraid. Fear will not control my de decisions because God is my helper and is with me. We can confidently say that I will not falter nor fail, nor will man be able to ruin me forever. Let me give you a, an example. A few years back, many of you know Craig. He's a good friend, Craig Coble. We had him over at our house. Still a good friend, by the way. We had him over to our house, and, and Craig is a very competitive person. And, and we were playing horseshoes in my backyard. And he really wanted badly to beat me. Can you imagine that? Someone wanted to beat me. And so we were playing horseshoes, and the score came. We're near the end. And he throws his last horseshoe, and it's a ringer. It puts him ahead. In fact, he would win the match. And the only way he would lose is if I threw a horseshoe on top of his horseshoe and then would win. And so he was spouting off, having some fun, because for the first time he was going to beat me in horseshoes. And I confidently looked at Craig before I threw, and I said, Is Craig, I'm going to throw a ringer. And I'm going to beat you. And that's what's going to happen. So I walked up and took a horseshoe and threw it. And it flipped in the air and it landed right on top of Craig's with the ringer. And he looked at me and said, no way. 
Isn't that what God does for us? And we can confidently say that when it looks like we've lost, when it looks like we got the last report from the doctor, when it looks like it doesn't look like our kids are going to have school this year, when it looks like I'm not going to be able to get a job, that God can do and we can confidently say, hey, give God his last chance and he can throw a ringer on top of anything that has been thrown. We can confidently say that the Lord is our helper. Amen. That's the passage. That's what it's saying to us here. The Lord will never let happen to you what he doesn't want to happen to you. Joni Erickson Tata said something that was fascinating. She says, and sometimes God permits what he hates to accomplish. Why? Because he loves us. Do you think God really enjoyed sending his son Jesus to the cross? No greater evidence of this than the cross. Isaiah 9, 6 says, God is an everlasting father. Romans 8, 32 says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also grace community church along with him graciously give us all things? So in the middle of COVID-19, God calmly says to you and me on the hill this morning, I got this. I am not surprised by what's happening in our world. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I will be your helper. And there is nothing that mere humans can do to you because I rule the world. You see, never let what happens to you change what has already happened for you. Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. We don't have an empty promise here. We have a guarantee stamped with the blood of Jesus Christ. And we can say yes in Christ and amen because he will do what he promised to do for us. In real estate, if you ever make a purchase, you often sign a contract or promissory note with a lender. And this promissory note says to the person that you're borrowing from that I will give back and pay back what this contract says. So you and I will sign a promise that we will fulfill the obligations of what this lender is lending to us. And this is a promissory note. Not based on our conditions. It's Jesus saying, I signed the line. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be your helper. I will stand with you. Sign the line. You can bank on this promise. Here's what we got to be careful of. Many in our world today are looking at the voice of man. And some of you get turned upside down by what you see responding by other people. In fact, some of you have lost your marbles based upon what you're seeing other men say and do. Hear me out. Don't bank your promise on man. Man will let you down. But you can bank on the promise that God won't let you down. 
We're going to close with the song here that I believe captures this whole message this morning. It was written by Matt Redman years ago. And there are some lines in the song. And as you sing it today, I want you to sing it as a declaration. I want you to sing it as if you're saying, I am a witness. I want you to sing it as though you believe that Jesus made a promissory note to you and that he's going to come through. And some of the lines say this. He will never let go. There will be an end, no end to these troubles on earth, but they will come to an end. And then it says this. I will fear no evil for my God is with me. When then or whom then shall I fear? Still, I will praise the Lord, even though I don't feel like he is there. God, help us today. I pray that we would confidently say that the Lord is my helper. I pray that we would be reminded of this double negative and triple negative, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And that no matter where we go or what happens to us, God, you will never let go. In Jesus' name, amen.